Welcome to Birth Mothers Amplified, giving a voice to the women behind adoption. Hosted by Emma and Mathani. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Birth Mothers Amplified. I'm one of your hosts, Mathani. And I'm Emma. Today, we're joined by Melody. Hi, Melody. Hi. I'm super excited to have Melody on the show today. Thank you for joining us. Um, Some of the topics that we'll be going over with her story are having an involved birth father during the adoption process, having a natural relationship with the adoptive family, and then also how joy and pain can coexist in adoption. And to give some background on Melody, so Melody is a birth mother of eight years, and she has a passion and love for horses. In fact, she's a certified equine massage therapist. And then to make her even more interesting, she (laughs) loves handy mechanical things and is an aircraft mechanic. So very well-rounded. We would just were like, oh yeah, what are some fun facts? And she threw those yeah. out there and we're like, I need a new hobby. That's fine. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Melody, let's go ahead and jump in and let's hear your story. So I placed when I was 19, the birth father was involved. Uh, we had a little spout here before I found out that I was pregnant. We got back together after my relationship with my parents at the beginning we were very close when they found out that i was pregnant things kind of hit the rocks Uh, i ended up staying with some friends and my sisters through a couple months until things kind of smoothed over with us was the relationship kind of on edge just because you were pregnant or was it because of the birth father what was the reason for that i think it was a combination of both To be honest with Mm. you, my middle sister had her daughter at the same age, so I think it was a lot on them feeling like maybe they messed up in a way, Mm. which, you know, they didn't. We're adults. We made our own decisions, and it's not never their fault. Just having to to deal with that fact, and also they weren't, they didn't really like the birth father a whole lot, and just didn't really feel like he was the right person for me to be around. And I I get that. When my parents first found out, they were very much so, you have to place this child for adoption. There's no other option. It was, you know, me being the rebellious person that I was, was, no, I'm going to raise this child. You can't tell me what to do with my life. (laughs) As time went on, though, uh, the birth father and I ended up going to a crisis pregnancy center here locally and ended up being encouraged to go to the adoption support group that they had that was run by an agency. Like a caseworker? Yeah, thank you. And when we went there, it just, there was so much chemistry between everybody. Everybody clearly knew each other. There was, they, they were sad about their situation, but they had so much peace about it. And it was really interesting walking through this and thinking, oh, well, I'm going to parent my son. I'm going to parent my son. doesn't matter what anybody else tells me. Mm-hmm. And just seeing that, it's like, well, maybe I need to adventure this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And birth father and I decided that we wanted to go ahead and proceed with, you know, at least finding out more information, getting some literature on it and reading through it and talking to the caseworker and everything. Prior to this, did you have exposure to adoption? I mean, you mentioned that your parents really were encouraging you to pursue that route, but obviously your sister had parented. So that's what you knew. Yeah. Um, did you have adoption yeah. in your life? Yeah, actually, my 
uh, aunt and uncle, they went and adopted their first little girl from China and fell in love and went back and adopted another and then were blessed with their own and then decided to adopt another child locally. Adoption has always been such a beautiful and colorful story in my life that I, I just, I adore it. I, I find it so interesting, just the dynamic and how broad the dynamic can be. Like my two cousins that are from China, they don't know who their parents are. With the situation over there, how that came about, they'll never be able to know until, you know, they meet God and then they'll be able to know and get that piece about it. But it's just, there's such an array. And as, as far as with my son, I have such an open adoption. He's going to know who I am. He knows who I am right now. Mm -hmm. So do you think that it was, you know, one, having at least some adoption exposure that was so beautiful, but then your parents obviously pushing it, which might've caused you to take a step back from it, perhaps <laughs> with some rebellion. Do you think meeting other birth parents or expectant parents really helped you reconsider that? Very much so. I feel like that was probably my biggest influence as, to for, as far as moving forward with looking into it, just finding these birth moms that they were having a tough time, but they had so much peace about their journey that they knew that that was wh where they were supposed to be. And knowing that their child is loved and exactly where they need to be, that really is ultimately what pushed me to look into it more. Tell us about that coexistence of how you can be sad but joyful. My opinion, joy is more of a, a soul setting. It's a, it's a mindset. It's not joy. Yes, you feel joy, but it's more of a mental state. You decide to be joyful. Mm. You can decide to be happy, but you know, most of the time happiness is, is fleeting. Whereas mm -hmm. joy is this stable soul place, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's a resting place that you find that just your, your soul feels whole. So you can be as hurt and as sad as you've ever been, but your heart still feels that joy. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful way to put it, especially for birth parents. It's very confusing for a lot of people to understand how you can be grieving, but at peace or grieving, but happy, you know, or like you said, maybe more joyful is a, a better term to use um, than happy mm -hmm. since happy is more of maybe a reactive emotion. I like how you said joy is more of a choice and state of mind. But so y'all decide to move forward with mm -hmm. adoption or at least it piqued your interest. So what was yeah. that like moving forward? a lot of conversations, a lot of research, a lot of, you know, even talking to my aunt, trying to get her opinion since she's an adoptive mom and getting the whole other side of the triad and just trying to understand how it could work and the best option for me. And what really drove me to want an open adoption to begin with was the fact that my cousins don't get that opportunity. I want him to be able to know where he comes from. So I want him to be able to ask questions that he doesn't understand about himself. Yeah. That's, you know, the genetic side of things. We ended up meeting with the caseworker that ran the support group and went about making a list as to certain qualifications, I guess, if you will, as to yeah. as what we wanted out of adoptive parents. And it was very specific. I mean, I had a long list and she's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to meet this, but I'm going to do the best I can. <laughs> oh, I got or some of the things. I wanted them to be first-time parents so that we could kind of walk through the journey together. I didn't want them in state because I didn't want the emotional burden of running into them and having that like terrified moment of how do I deal with this emotionally? And I didn't want that for them or for me. 
Yeah. So I wanted them to be Christians. They had to be animal lovers, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I was more so pushing for dogs, but you know, <laughs> to each their own. Not saying that cat people are weird. I'm, I have a cat now, so. More empathetic <laughs> yeah. towards cat lovers. I could probably, I should have pulled out the list and had it ready, but. <laughs> it shows though yeah. that you put in a lot of research beforehand and that you were really, and again, no, I mean, no fault to a birth mother who's more just, op- you know, open to any adoptive parent. I don't think there's a right or wrong, but I think it is a testament mm-hmm. to how much research you did do beforehand that you were very thoughtful about out of state or wanting, you know, just very specific. I think that's awesome that you were able to ask for those things. I was very thankful. And, and you know, as far as I, I couldn't have asked for a better setup, to be honest, mm-hmm. God definitely put this into motion. It had yeah. nothing to do with me. I asked for three rounds of profiles, went through everything. I had narrowed it down to two. And I, one of the couple was a little bit older and they were out in California and it was seemed a little bit farther away. And, you know, they had a cat at the time and <laughs> just like all these sorts of things that was like, oh, well, you know, I really want to talk to them. But, and it was really last minute. We had the phone call set up and we were ready to go. And I still feel bad about that a little bit, but I'm very thankful for the way God pushed me to go because we had this other profile and was like, well, you know, they have a dog and they're mm-hmm. younger and they're a little bit closer. Uh, they're about halfway compared to California. Might as well just see where it goes. We hit it off. You know, the, the first initial portion of the conversation was kind of awkward of, Hey, my name is. Yeah. And from then on, it was just pure chemistry. Yeah. We talked for two straight hours like we were old friends. We eventually had to get off the phone because it was getting too late and we had to be to work in the morning. <laughs> so and it was just, it was so, it was really freeing to find that that was the momentary happiness, but that was fulfilling the joy in the process of, you know, this is where I was meant to go. Yeah. Was the yeah. birth father on this call? Yes. He was supportive. Okay. And did he yeah. share a lot of these feelings of feeling very natural and com- comfortable with the adoptive parents? Yeah, I mean, all four of us just had a really good flowing conversation. That's beautiful. Um, it really was. And for the time being, it was just so reassuring of everything that this was okay. You know, maybe we are going the right route. We swapped emails. The adoptive mom and I emailed almost every day. She wanted to know everything that was going on. And I loved that. That helped me so much through the process. And that was, I had a really rocky pregnancy. I had a lot of really hard emotions. I gained a lot of weight. I ate my emotions constantly and I still struggle with that. But (laughs) it, it was just, it was really hard. And that was my, that was my little light at the end of the tunnel was, was being able to talk to her. Yeah. And seeing how much she cared and wanted was so excited about this that this was just what her heart wanted so desperately yeah and I was so excited to be able to walk through that with her now what point of your pregnancy did you one fall into the adoption world and decide to start pursuing it but then um choosing this couple how far along were you when I finally chose them I was in my third trimester Okay. Um, I was towards the end of my second when I started really looking heavily into adoption. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I was pregnant until the beginning of the second trimester. So yeah, being 19 and kind of bobbleheaded, you don't really notice a whole <laughs> lot of things, you know, you're not really paying attention to much. So it was more of, hey, where are we going today? What are we going to eat today? And 
yeah, I wasn't really, I didn't really have much care in the world how what it would be to be young again. (laughs) (laughs) But it it was a weird process, I guess. And with my sister, she was, she was the first one that I went to, my middle sister that had her daughter at the same age and just wanted her advice. I wanted to know, what do I do? How do I enroll? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you had everything covered. Like, how do I go about doing that since I'm not working right now? And she helped set up everything, just having, helping me set everything up and, and get prepared. And I wanted everything set out before I approached my parents about it. Cause I went Mm. to her before they found out. And my mom sat me down one day and she's like, I have a question. (laughs) That's terrifying. I I wasn't even showing. Like I I had, you know, I was getting a little belly, but I was eating a lot. So, (laughs) but I, I was sleeping a lot too. I was sleeping almost yeah. 14 hours a day. I wanted to have everything set out and ready before I approached them. And I didn't even get that far. <laughs> wow. Parents know. They just I know. know. <laughs> Mother's intuition is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yes. A, 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 what, a gift and a curse or a blessing and a curse. Oh my goodness. Back to, you know, choosing the adoptive parents. Were you on talking terms again with your parents? I know you mentioned that in the beginning, things were a little rocky. So at what point did you start maybe speaking to your parents again? It was right around Christmas time. The Christmas Um, before you had your son? Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you were still pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. So we went through the whole situation. It was more of, you know, we weren't really talking as much, mostly because of me, me trying to figure out where I was emotionally and mentally and just struggling dealing with the pregnancy and the birth father yeah. and having to accept the fact that my parents knew, I guess, I don't know. It was, it was more of me dealing with my own shame than anything else. Mm. My own guilt. I stayed with one of my girlfriends for a little while at the beginning. Uh, Cause she and I were just so close at that time. And her mom would talk with my parents for me essentially, just because I wasn't in the right headspace to be talking to them. And once I moved and with my sister and stayed there for a little while, they kind of talked with her more than they talked with me. And again, it was my own doing. It wasn't them. We reconnected a little after Christmas and they became very supportive of whatever decision I wanted to make. And they were definitely still more pro-adoption. They were really worried about me taking on a, a parenting role, which I can understand, you know, looking back on me now, I was thinking, oh yeah, well, I'm hot stuff. I know what I'm doing. I'm gonna be able to figure it out on my own. I'm so thankful that I did not go with that feeling. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were really supportive. Even when I was in the hospital, they were like, you know, if you feel like this is not the direction you need to go, we will do whatever it takes to help you. That's great. It shows that people need time. You know, I mean, that's a big thing to process. It's a very important thing to process. And sometimes we are quick to respond in a emotional headspace. Um, and more reactive. I think sometimes we can hold on to those grudges of people's initial reaction, which doesn't excuse it. We all probably should take more time to respond to things, but it shows that, you know, people, sometimes people just need time to come around, you know, and um, that's beautiful, beautiful that your parents were really wanted to support you in whatever decision you made. But speaking of the hospital, take us there to labor delivery and, and um, your hospital time. Well, I was in labor for three days. (laughs) That was not a fun experience. I woke up uh, on Sunday morning with my stomach no longer elongated, but sideways. 
and it was like okay well we should probably go get this checked out (laughs) yeah Um, I had been back and forth to the hospital multiple times to have dilation checked it was constantly changing it was two centimeters and then it was half a centimeter and generally you know they don't come back in and out so you would think maybe (laughs) that would set up a red flag of hey maybe we should check this out but you know when I went up to the hospital they did uh, an ultrasound and found out that he was breech um, so they oh, had to do an efficiency C-section and 7.51 p.m. that night, he was born. Having a phobia of needles at 19 and having to get a spinal block is one of the most mortifying experiences of my life, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. say the least. Well, and there's enough emotions going on. I mean, that's scary yeah. for any mother to, yeah. you know, be in that situation, but obviously with everything we're preparing for, and that's a lot, that's a lot to handle, especially at that age. I was very thankful for the head nurse because she had to yell at me to get me to calm down. <laughs> she was like, if you don't calm down right now, we're going to have to knock you out. And then you're putting the baby in danger. And I was like, <gasps> okay. Yes, ma'am. Oh, dang. <laughs> but thankfully, the doctor that did the ultrasound at the beginning ended up being my doctor the second day there because they were supposed to release you after like 48 hours, 36, I think it's 36 hours after you have a cesarean. But she came in to check on me and I had kind of explained the situation beforehand. And she was like, hey, how are you doing? Do you need, do you need an extra day? Because I know what you're, what you're trying to walk through right now. And if you need an extra day, we can, we can work that out. Hmm. So I was very thankful. I got an extra day in the hospital. Who was Um, there? Who was at the hospital with you? The birth father was with me at the hospital. Okay. Um, I had friends come up. My parents came up. My sisters came up. And the adoptive parents came up too and actually did the baby photos in the hospital and had the professional photographer and everything done. And those are just some of the most beautiful pictures I've ever seen in my life. I I Mm. have them on my computer. I have some on my phone. So you wanted to share the hospital time with the adoptive parents? Very much so. And I felt like, you know, they're they're first time parents. They should get to this experiences just as much as I can. Yeah. You know, they have every right to it as well. I want them to be able to enjoy these first little baby moments, you know. I appreciate you mentioning that just because, you know, Mathani and I, we wanted our time but I also love hearing birth moms who want to share it because there's no right or wrong, you know, for any expectant mom that might be listening or deciding, you know, there is no right or wrong on how to handle it. They're both, you know, reasonable decisions. Yeah. There's no right or wrong. You just need to figure out what's right for you. And and every journey is tailored just to you. And that's the beautiful thing about it is this is the decision that you're making and you don't have to, you can't have anybody tell you what you can and can't do because guess what? It's you. And you're the one that gets to make decisions for yourself. You're responsible for yourself. So if you feel like you want to share your time, that's the best thing to do. If you feel like you need it to yourself, that's the best thing you can do. So it's really just ultimately listening to yourself and knowing what you need as an individual. Totally. So you're at the hospital and you have all of these visitors and you get that extra day. Did y'all sign your relinquishment rights away at the hospital or what was that next step like? We did. We signed them away at the hospital. Um, the birth brother and I had written up, drafted up our own document on, you know, plain note paper months in advance that had decided this was what we were going to do. And we mm-hmm. hung it up in our hospital room. We, we said, this is, this is where we're supposed to go. This is the journey for our son. This is not 
This is not, we are not the ones that are important in the situation. It's him that needs to be where he needs to be, where God has intended him to be. And, and that was, that was difficult. I kept having to stare at that piece of paper hanging on the wall, that notebook paper written in pencil yeah. hanging on the wall, looking at the papers, you know, when I had the initial papers, like I was trying to get up and I ended up just sitting on the floor with just tears streaming down my face, trying to accept everything that was going on. So after we got done, they had taken our son out of the, the room and put him in for the uh, initial discharge with the adoptive parents. So they were going through the little mommy daddy class kind of thing. So we finished signing our paperwork. It was really hard walking through that. Um, there was a lot of sadness in that. There yeah. was a lot of hurt wrapped up in that moment. Why did y'all decide to do that document, that kind of reminder in the hospital room? Had y'all come up with that idea or had someone suggested that? No, we, we had discussed it together and decided that wow. we felt like in that moment, our emotions are going to get tied up and we're not going to want to sign that paper. We're not going to want to walk through this, especially with somebody by your side. It's so much easier to just kind of step back and walk away from a situation that you feel you need to be in. So no matter how hard it gets, you still got to walk through it. You know that this is the right decision. You know in your heart and in your soul that this is where you need to be. This is the direction you have to take. And we knew that was going to be hard. We knew that was going to be so hard. Just having that reminder there really signified that, yes, we've already signed our documents. Because in our heads, we had signed this document that already relinquished our rights. Because that's what we signified that document as. So, yes, we're signing legal documents now, but we have already signed our agreement to this. So one of the, the biggest things to me was in the hospital, like when we were done signing our papers, I kind of gained my composure a little bit better. <laughs> and the adoptive parents brought our son back into the room and I'm gonna cry. <laughs> the adoptive father came and pushed his little carrier up to me and stepped back and just let me have my moment to still be involved and be a mom. Because doing this goes against every natural aspect of you mm -hmm. as a mother. It goes against every emotion, every hormone, every, everything that's just running through your body at that given moment. And just having him step away. And it was just this utter, it just felt like this utter respect of this is our baby. It's not just, it's not just theirs, but it's all of ours. How beautiful. No, no, you're good. It shows again, eight years we've, you know, interviewed many different birth moms along different aspects of their journey. And it's never uh, far or too far where you don't feel that emotion. It's still always raw. Yeah. Forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can tell that story a million times and I still tear up every time. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just so refreshing to have that moment, I guess, in knowing that I wasn't walking through this journey alone, no matter what. Yeah. And so had y'all decided to do an open adoption? Mm -hmm. We decided beforehand. Our communication continued. You know, we swapped phone numbers and email addresses and, and we continued talking even afterwards. And our relationship eventually moved to Facebook friends. <laughs> that took okay. a little while. <laughs> um, yeah. About a week after placement, um, we did what we called an entrustment ceremony. Is that Basically, like placement? Mm -hmm. Okay. The pregnancy center, 
that we had initially gone to and they were connected with the church that was right next door. So they gave us one of their meeting rooms in there to do this, this ceremony. And we met beforehand. So they handed me our son and I got to walk in with him. And essentially the entrustment ceremony was giving, physically handing yeah. to them and entrusting him with them knowing that th this is where he was going to be. Everybody told me, like, I, I maybe teared up once through that whole thing. Everybody else was just, like, pouring tears the whole entire time. And I was just, well, I was just glowing, which is really weird to me. Like, I don't, I don't see myself as glowing, you know? <laughs> I guess joy is the best way to put that. And knowing that this is exactly how it's supposed to go. And I just had, it was just this utter peace that surpasses all understanding. It was just an amazing event. You know, we had presents and we had music and we had a little bit of food that I don't think anybody ever ate because we were so, <laughs> so everybody was so emotional. But we got pictures and you know, my grandparents got to see him. Um, my sisters were there. We had very close family friends that we consider family there. It was really nice. It was pretty big, surprisingly enough. Like looking back on the pictures, like we had a lot of people. In. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to wrap a lot of people up in my, <laughs> what I do. So I love it. I love it. So was the, was the birth father there then as well? Yes. Yeah. His mom was there. Okay. Um, his, his stepsister was there. He had a couple of his friends there. So it, it was good, peaceful event for everybody. It just yeah. went so well. Thankfully, we didn't have any quarrels or, you know, there was no drama throughout yeah. the whole event. And that, that to me was just <laughs> so happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what was that first um, year like or first couple of years? You know, you said that y'all had agreed to an open adoption. So when did you get to see your son again? Um, on his first birthday. That was pretty cool. We kind of met in the middle up in the panhandle of Florida and went beaching. Nice. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Uh, the adopted mom brought her parents too, which was really awesome to be able to meet them. They were the sweetest people. Just seeing their support in the whole situation was awesome too. Like that was just so, gave me the warm fuzzies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> to see how involved they wanted to be and how encouraging they were to me. Something I think that is, or at least I thought was very helpful with my relationship with my daughter's parents was getting to be introduced to the other people in her life, just because I know it made it feel more real to me. These are her grandparents. These are her aunts and uncles. These are their family friends. And it was cool for me too, that, that they wanted to bring me into their lives, that they mm -hmm. wanted to introduce me to their people and is a beautiful part that open adoption can um, open yourself up to. You know, I know not every open adoption is that way, but it at least presents that opportunity of getting to see more into your child's life. And so that's cool that yeah. you got to meet your son's grandparents and spend that time on first birthday. And so was the birth father there at that visit? Yeah, he was there for that one. Um, we split up probably about six months later. Things just didn't really go as planned. Um, we really weren't getting along very well anymore and I didn't feel connected with him the way that I, I just felt like God was kind of leading me in a different direction. It was kind of a rocking process because 
there was just so much emotion and investment wrapped up in this one relationship. It, it took us probably a good month and a half before it was finally like, okay, we can't talk anymore because it's just getting mm. too hard. And it, it was, it was really difficult. You have to really set boundaries with yourself as far as what you're willing to put up with and what you're willing to step around and allow yourself to, to feel. He told me that it was either me and our son or if it was neither of us. And mm. for me, it was just, I'm not responsible for how you decide to interact with your son. That has nothing to do with me. I can't take responsibility for your decision to want to cut somebody out of your life, especially somebody as important as him. Mm. So Good for you, I'm not going to carry that burden for you if you decide <laughs> that that's just how you want to run it. And, and, and birth and mothers need to hear that. Because yeah. when we were speaking earlier, we were talking about how easy it is, especially in that vulnerable of a situation, to take on the burden of everyone involved. And I think that carrying the burden of the birth father, and Nathani and I have spoken about this plenty of times before with other guests, of that fear of if the birth father doesn't pursue a relationship, as if it's our decision or as if it is our responsibility for the lack of a relationship. Right. And it's not. I think you're right. It's you have to be able to tell yourself, you know, that's not my responsibility because that could be an easy situation for you to be manipulated into of, oh, well, you're not going to be in our son's life. Okay, then we can stay together. So you yeah, said- that was actually the big confirming things for me was if you're going to put that kind of responsibility on me, then what else are you willing to, <laughs> to step yeah. on me, you know? So, yeah, red flag for sure. Yeah. So has he, I mean, fallen through with that? Has he seen y'all's son? He's seen him once. Okay. Since. I believe it was his fourth birthday. Uh, they came down this way and, and we met in Orlando, did the whole Disney World and Discovery Cove and all that sorts of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So that, that was cool. But he went and had breakfast with them the last morning that they were down. And after that, you know, it really hasn't been anything. Yeah. They're okay with that, you know? <laughs> so why can't I? Yeah. <laughs> And so what does the adoption look like now? It's like a sisterhood at this point. I mean, we're, we're best friends. I, I feel like I can talk to her about anything and I hope she feels the same, but we get along really well. We're Facebook friends. We text all the time. We have a, a trip planned up to Branson, Arkansas this upcoming December. So hopefully get to see some snow for the first time in my life. Florida girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm very much a mountain woman. I would love to live in the mountains, but I was born and raised in Florida. So. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to get very far when you're young, you know? So Melody, how would you say you've set healthy boundaries in order to grieve and to move forward, you know, in a healthy way in your adoption journey? It's really about knowing yourself and, and knowing how you handle things and how you deal with things. And it's really a soul searching process. And I, I've done a lot of that over the last couple of years and really trying to find me and who God wants me to be and where I need to be. So it's really just, you've got to follow what you feel you need. So like with the hospital, knowing the boundaries that I needed to set as far as the paperwork, knowing that I needed to sign that document ahead of time because I wasn't going to be able to emotionally follow through with it then. It, it's yeah. dealing with the birth father and knowing that I don't have to be responsible for how he handles things and what he does with his life. Knowing that when it came to my parents, it wasn't a good time to communicate during those few months that I wasn't there because I knew I was going to say something I was going to regret. So yeah. it's just knowing how 
how open the adoption is um, if you have to step back. I know I've met a lot of women that didn't want to know anything and that's, that's okay for them. That's mm -hmm. what they need. And that's how they grieve and that's how they move forward and knowing that, okay, my life is not necessarily attached to that. That doesn't define my life. That yeah. adoption process doesn't define my life. I need to define myself. I've met women that placed way back in the day when they would just go to a hospital and never even see their baby's face. Years later, meet their child. You know, and once their child's in their 20s and now they're good friends and they have great relationships and, mm -hmm. and that's just how they felt they needed to deal with it. And that's yeah. okay because everybody handles everything differently. We're not built the same. We're not wired the same. You know, some one person's puddle of mud might come up to their ankles, whereas the next one would be drowning in it. Well, and I think pointing out that to have boundaries, you have to know your needs is really important. Mm -hmm. And I want to commend you on how much research and prep you did beforehand, because that is such a hard time to have the energy to figure things out and to find the resources and ask your family questions, your sister you know, your aunt and uncle and all those parties to get information because it is important to try to figure out what your needs are, but you can't do that without seeking out help or finding out answers or asking questions. And so it's very commendable how you handled that process during such a difficult time. Now, just the one thing people can't take from you. <laughs> that is so. for sure. Now, um, something you've touched on a little bit, but I would love to hear more about is how did you foster and how do we as birth moms and other birth moms foster such a good friendship with adoptive parent to avoid that dynamic and complex that sometimes can happen where it's superior, inferior, this weird back and forth dynamic. How do you create that friendship? I, I think for me, I had a, a huge foot up in that is, you know, my oldest sister is 10 years older than I am. So I, I already had kind of mastered the whole, because she always tried to mother Yes. Uh, you know, dealing with a sister that is also trying to mother you, you kind of get the idea of, okay, well, we're just going to be friends whether you like it or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, it just comes down, you, you got to be yourself. You got to be open about things and don't try to put on a facade. There's no reason. It, it just makes your life way harder and makes you more miserable on the inside trying to be something that you're not. You just got to learn to smile and yeah, things might not always go the way you want them to, but it is what it is and things will, will work themselves out. So just like open communication is yeah. what I'm hearing is like really important. With the adoptive mom, like she's just, she's really cool on her own. She's just got such personality. She's so goofy and so much fun. It really depends on your situation because I've, I've had friends that, that have had a really difficult time being open with the adoptive parents and sometimes being yourself doesn't always work. Unfortunately, sometimes relationships don't work the way you want them to and yeah. you can only be responsible for yourself. You can't be responsible for the way that anybody else handles things. And if you can look at things from a different perspective and try to you know take yourself out of the picture and see maybe where their hurt is coming from. And when it comes to adoption, there's a lot of infertility issues with a lot of people and dealing with that, you know, putting your emotions on somebody else happens sometimes. Cause I know for me, it's jealousy of the fact that they got my first child. And I know, I, I don't know, but I feel like there's been times here and there throughout a relationship where I felt like I was looked at as this person that had the opportunity to have that child. I say that because 
I have family that have walked through miscarriages and adoption and I, my best friend struggles with infertility and her jealousy of people that can just pop babies out. Like there's no, like nobody's business, you know, but it is, I think because sometimes we get stuck in this mentality of how we meet someone that they're beyond that context. Right. So as a birth parent, you meet these parents as adoptive parents, the people who are going to parent your child and they meet us as, you know, this woman who had an unplanned pregnancy and we're, you know, birthing their child. And so sometimes I think we get stuck in that original context that it, like you said, that the, your son's adoptive mother has, is like so great outside of even being a mom. And I think it's so important for us to see each other as just normal humans that are beyond that role in relation to the adoptee. And I know it's helped me to have individual conversations out of the context of parenting with my daughter's adoptive mom that we're friends because we've, you know, seen each other in other contexts, yes. other than just a re relationship that we share, you know, with our, with our child. Like you said, though, it's not always easy. And sometimes that's not always how it goes. Um, there's not yeah. always a friendship, but that at least there's hope that there might, can be, it doesn't have to yeah. be this certain dynamic. Well, is there anything else, Melody, that you would like to share about your story? Not particularly that I can think of, to be honest with you. I really love the idea of adoption. God adopts us, you know? We're not biologically his children. We're adopted into this family of Christ. And so it's, it's really cool to think of other adoption stories similar to that. There's just this outpouring of love on this child from every angle, from every person in that family. And that's one thing that's that's been really cool about my story, I guess, is how many angles there are of love for this one child. How many people just even miles away just adore this kid mm -hmm. and how many presents we have shipped to the house to be able to ship out. is just incredible to me that he's so spoiled and so many people that just want to buy the world for him. Yeah. But in, in watching his whole family just adore him, he has cousins around his age, a little bit older. He's got one little girl cousin that's older than him, but he has always adored her and mm -hmm. <laughs> called her by it. Always had these cute names and everything. And just seeing all this love pouring out on this one child is just yeah. incredible. And yeah. I, I guess that was one of the main reasons why I wanted the open adoption. I wanted to be able to see it. I wanted yeah. to be able to see the love and the happiness that surrounded this one individual, you know? Yeah. You wanted to see mm -hmm. it work. Yeah. Well, yeah. Melody, awesome. I am so, so glad that you have been able to see your plan work and that you've been able to foster such a beautiful friendship with your son's parents. I'm so humbled that you are here to share your story. I hope we did it justice. I hope all of the listeners got as much out of it as we did. But with yeah. that, Melody, thank you for coming on. Thank you so thank much, you. Melody. It's really freeing to be able to share your story regardless of what angle you have, regardless of, of what your story is, especially with other birth mothers like you too. Like it, every story is inspiring. Every story has a background. Every person has a journey to share it with people is so freeing and it's, it's healing. Yeah. yeah. Amen to that. Well, with that, thank you everyone for listening. Um, tune in next week for another episode, but again, Melody, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Bye, Bye everyone. Birth Mothers Amplified is brought to you by the Gladney Center for Adoption and adoption.com. 
Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Mothers Amplified. The views expressed may not represent the views of this program or sponsors and should not substitute seeking the advice of licensed professionals. To speak with an adoption counselor, please call 1-800-236-7898. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.